Can you think of a time where despite your best intentions and multiple implementation attempts, a new product or service you tried to implement into your pharmacy just didn't quite work out? You probably made some of the biggest mistakes that happen when you manage change in your business. As our guest this week, Linda Miller, the Director of Pharmacy Profit Secrets, shares with us some of these biggest mistakes, but how we can successfully manage change in our pharmacies. Welcome to the Transformation Show, where successful pharmacy owners and technology partners help you to build a better 21st century pharmacy by embracing technology. Here is your host, Robert Starr. G'day everyone and welcome back to Transformation, the only dedicated podcast in the world where pharmacy and technology collide to bring you, the motivated pharmacy owner, all that you need to build your smarter, more successful 21st century business before it's too late. My name's Robert Starr, your host and guide on this fantastic journey of ours, all the way through to episode 86, brought to you by audible.com. Get your free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com forward slash transformation. Got time for a quick check-in with you. We're going to get across to Linda. I'm loving this new format. We're going to continue that through for the next few weeks and thank you for your feedback. If you're a new listener to the show, welcome. If you've been with us from the beginning, I appreciate it more than you know. How's your week been? Has it been a good one? Mine has been terrific. I managed to tick off one of my long-term goals for this year in completing the Melbourne Half Marathon last Sunday. Now, I must say that it may just seem as simple as just going out and running a half marathon, but I have to tell you that the four weeks before the start on Sunday... I literally couldn't run. I uh, had a strained ITB for our sports enthusiast amongst us. It's that big muscle that runs along your quadricep down to your knee. And I was in agony um, running a 16K uh, time trial a few weeks back. And so what that meant is that I couldn't run for the four weeks before the start. And I just literally had to have a go and see how I got there. Now, it was probably as much of a mental test as a physical one, but I couldn't have got there if I didn't set that as a goal at the beginning of the year. And that was one thing I wanted to share with you is that power of goal setting. When you go ahead and you set yourself a target at the beginning of the year, it makes it incredibly hard, particularly when you share it like I have on this show with all of you at the beginning of the year that that was one of my goals. It makes it incredibly hard to back away from it despite all the obstacles that may be in the way. And it's one of the things I wanted to share with you because it's right time now for us to be thinking about 2016. It's too late if we leave it to December, Christmas time. We need to actually plan probably a couple of months out before the end of the year is what we want to achieve in 2016. And my inspiration for goal setting, as I may have shared with you on the show previously, came from a man called Matthew Michaelwich. And he wrote a book called Life in Half a Second. And I've got a fantastic treat for you coming up next week where I got the opportunity to interview Matthew and uh, in preparation for that I'm going to mention his book uh, which you can download as a free audio book as well. So this week's episode as per usual, is brought to you by Audible.com. And for you, the listeners of The Transformation Show, Audible is offering you a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. 
I recommend that you go and pick up Life in Half a Second by Matthew Michaelwich in preparation for next week's show, which you'll absolutely love at the moment. And of course, you could download another audiobook, but I highly recommend that one by visiting audibletrial.com forward slash transformation. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash transformation. Without further ado, we're off to Linda for our interview. Our interview today is with Linda Miller. She's a specialist pharmacy business mentor who helps pharmacists increase their turnover and profitability in new and innovative ways in today's highly competitive business environment. Linda wants to be known for the three P's, profitability, productivity, and people. Linda Miller, welcome to the Transformation Show. Thanks, Rob. Great to be here. Oh, look, fantastic to have you, Linda. And uh, I guess, you know, our, our little scope today is going to be talking about uh, change management. And it's something that uh, many of our colleagues are quite familiar with. Our last 15 years has uh, probably never been as tumultuous in our industry, particularly in Australia. And uh, it's certainly going to be a, a, a great chat. And um, I guess in, in terms of, um, you know, your background, I suppose our listeners will be aware that you're not a pharmacist. But, you know, why are you so passionate about helping the pharmacy industry? Look, Rob, I got into pharmacy close to 30 years ago and I, f- I fell into it, literally. It was my first part-time job as a student when I was studying psychology. And the thing that struck me then and it stayed with me was how how much of a difference pharmacies make, and it's now more than ever, how much of a difference they make to people's lives. And, you know, the people that I was working with were very, you know, the partners were very engaged with customers. The, you know, all the staff were very passionate about making a difference in their in their patients' and customers' lives. And, you know, to me, really, at the end of the day, yes, it is very much about making, you know, having a good business, but it is based on the premise of making a difference to one's community and to individuals within that community and really safeguarding their health. And these days with an ageing population, that is critical more than ever before. Yeah, well, certainly, uh, you know, it's well, well renowned that we've got this baby boomer tsunami coming our way, and uh, certainly, it's well publicised that our aged care systems are going to be uh, certainly under 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 attack, and uh, pharmacy mm. is going to have such a big role in helping patients stay in good health, not only in their homes but in uh, that aged care environment. And I guess you know your observations of that last you know fifteen years of what we've seen. Um, you know, obviously, the PBS reforms are well documented, and so. Certainly our operating costs keep keep going up. But, you know, I guess what, what have your observations been of what we've seen in the last 15 years? Um, it's been really interesting because whilst things have moved rapidly in the sector, particularly over the last four or five years with, as you said, the PBS reforms, price disclosure, you know, those sorts of aspects being an issue and the need for pharmacy um, and the services that pharm- pharmacists provide actually increasing, um, what I've observed, and it's not pretty, is that some pharmacies have have you know, struggled to really adapt to that new environment and 
you know, whilst there are some that are moving ahead and, and very um, conscious of the need to change their offering to, to work with their customers and, and really find out what's happening. Um, it is a whole different scenario from the days where, you know, you open your doors and you had an influx of customers. Now there's a lot more competition than ever before. Um, there are different models which are being offered, which are impinging on how pharmacists have traditionally offered their services and for which they've justifiably been voted one of the most trusted professions in the world. So, you know, being able to offer though that value to the customer in a slightly different offering or a different environment to make sure that those differences are made, that's one of the key differences that I see actually in pharmacy over the last 15 or so years. Yeah, well, certainly I think, you know, we've talked about a little bit on the show in that we're probably returning back to our roots in pharmacy in as much that, uh, you know, the days of being everything to everyone and, uh, you know, having a, you know, wide range of things in our retail spaces that, uh, you know, perhaps never had to justify its uh, profitability is now uh, certainly come under a lot more scrutiny. And uh, we now need to be making sure that not only our dispensary and professional services, but our retail also connect with our community and, uh, yeah. You know, certainly it, it, there's a lot of change amongst us and certainly a lot of opportunities in that regard. But uh, it, it really comes down to, you know, I guess how we, I guess, plan for our future and, and what that looks like in our individual communities. And, and I guess on, on that fact, um, you know, I guess the word change management gets thrown around and it's probably something that, uh, you know, most of us in pharmacy having not done, you know, proper um, typical business courses and things like that, they don't tend to see it as much but you know I guess as a, for a pharmacist definition you know what do you believe change management is? Um, the change management piece varies according to what the vision of the pharmacy is but in fact the first step of that of change management is developing that pro, that purpose and that vision and one of the the key aspects that pharmacies and pharmacists are now becoming more educated about is the the need to involve their staff and get their buy in and that has to be right from the development of the vision and that, to me, that is the, the cornerstone of the change management piece. Um, change management being, okay, how are we going to actually make this change um, work for everybody from the staff to the customers to the business owners? Well, I imagine it's a, it's a, a lot more complicated than simply just uh, you know for the sake of, of this show in technology space, just simply buying something like a, a robot and putting it in the pharmacy and hoping that uh, it's just going to take off and uh, give you all of the uh, promoted mm. efficiencies around it. Yeah, it certainly doesn't happen on its own, that's for sure. And, you know, this is where I guess, you know, we talk about setting the goals and the purpose, you know, for, ex for example, in automating, the you know getting the staff involved in okay what are the benefits what are the benefits to the business what are the benefits to you to your own productivity to your own job satisfaction um, you know really delving into that aspect of it as well as doing your numbers um, to make sure that there is that cost benefit analysis done is critical the change management of course comes from okay 
how is it that it's going to work for you, the staff, for, for our customers, for our community, for our business? And then, you know, for the business owner to actually be really focused on, okay, how am I going to get my staff motivated? How am I going to get them skilled in their roles? Um, you know, really introducing the benefits to them and enlisting their buy-in as we've discussed and, and being clear on what their current roles are how they could or perhaps should change, um, whether they should remain in the business, in what capacity, um, what's going to suit them and, and involving them in that. You know, I've seen situations, hideous situations where, um, you know, uh, people have found out, you know, employees within the pharmacy have found out that, you know, there's going to be a big change, you know, in the dispensary with, you know, the advent of a robot, for example, and they've found out on the fly. And, you know, that is not bringing into play the change management piece. When you bring it in, you're actually involving them and, and getting clear on what a difference it's going to make to your culture and involving people in that. So, um, you know, doing things as well, like reviewing staff performance and, you know, being, being more strategic and more structured in doing that is, is a big part of it too. Yeah, well, I guess we speak so much about where technology fits in a pharmacy and it's never there to replace or to fundamentally change the business's goals and their vision and the purpose that you've mentioned there. And it's really about connecting that technology to our best practice processes. And in some cases, it's a, it's a good, uh, I guess, activation to actually improve those processes to be best practice. But it's all about how that technology is going to enable to aid or automate those processes and uh, I think sometimes we forget that and we, yes. we, we we look outside of it and we think, well, now we're doing this with technology and we're looking at it as uh, almost an alien process that's come mm -hmm. into the business. But, you know, in, in, with reference to the automation example, it really is about how we go about automating our logistics and we still have to do all the things that the robot is doing whether it be unpacking the stock picking the stock off the shelf rotating it looking through all the expiry date checks and things like that but we're doing it in a far more efficient manner through the aid of technology and uh, yes. i think when our people understand that um, mm. you know it's a lot less threatening um, but i guess if your role has been very much in that manual logistics it uh, it, it could mean that uh, you know your role will need to change not necessarily that you need to leave the business. Absolutely, absolutely. And I guess one of the things that I see a lot and, you know, we do see a lot is that need to make the mindset shift because human nature is that, uh, you know, people tend to drift towards a comfort zone and you do something like introduce automation and it's out of people's regular sphere of sphere of reference and that creates a fear and so managing that fear by demystifying what's happening involving them in what's happening helps move that mindset from you know am i going to lose my job to this is actually something which i understand you don't need to understand all the, you know, the finer points of it, but how it's going to change the logistics and the workflow processes and how that will be beneficial to them and to the customers. And, you know, from a from a business owner's point of view, it is very much about, okay, well, how, you know, how are we going to use this automation as another way of differentiating ourselves from our competitors? 
Mm. And certainly, you know, it comes down to, you know, I guess, you know, shifting, you know, like you've mentioned there, the, the mindset, but also <clears throat> recognising the, the place where that pharmacy needs to be in 10, 15 years' time and uh, I guess upgrading our, our thoughts around that process. But I guess when, when pharmacies that you've seen have started this process, you know, what are the biggest mistakes that you've seen? You know, like clearly, you know, mindset is something that has to change for a lot of us that particularly have been perhaps in ownership for a lot longer. Um, it might yeah. even be 20, 30 years and have just seen a different model of pharmacy come through and, you know, yes. that, that need to diversify your professional services and, uh, you know, upgrade your retail space and its productivity. You know, what have been the biggest mistakes that you've seen in changing, I guess, the face of the pharmacy? Because in reality, it still could be a very, very good business, but at the same time, it's probably not living to its current and future potential. True, true. There's a couple of things that comes down to, Rob. One of them is a lack of communication between and, and leadership, I guess, between, you know, the, the pharmacy owner and the staff, particularly the staff in the dispensary, you know, obviously on the floor, they're affected as well. So when that doesn't happen, then you get resistance. When you get resistance, it then affects not just you know, internally, how the culture is working, but that then cascades to what's happening with customers and the atmosphere for, you know, then the customers get fearful of, oh, you know, but I love Karen. She's she's been she's been with your pharmacy for twenty years. Are you not going to have her anymore? Mm. So, you know, you run the risk and I have seen this happen where, you know, on one hand they've made their their systems more efficient but because they haven't brought their staff on board customers they've actually lost some customers as a result of that um the other the other big mistake i've seen is you know plonking in a robot and thinking all your problems have been solved you do need to review all the workflow processes you need to review each person's role not in order to make them redundant but to help them adapt to the change and make sure you've got the right aces in the right places. And if there's some training required or some, you know, some leadership, then because sometimes it's a behavioural piece rather than a skills aspect which needs to be worked on, then having that involvement, you know, when the, the pharmacy owner or, you know, they've, they've worded up their pharmacy manager, their re retail manager to actually manage that change so people always feel supported. When they don't feel supported, that's when you don't get the buy-in. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, touching on that piece, which I think is so important, is that behaviour change. And, uh, you know, typically mo most of us in pharmacy don't have, uh, you know, a great understanding of the differences between some of our different generations of employees. Um, I know that mm -hmm. we've mentioned on the show a couple of times before of the different generations that are in our workforce right now. And, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the view of what technology does mean as well, to, to touch on that point, in that, yes. you know, the younger, more digital native generation, uh, mm. looking at technology as well why isn't it here uh, whereas perhaps if you've got still some baby boomers in your workforce um, it's viewed you know as a I guess a foreign concept that isn't required um, and and that can you know mean that you know you've got some people in your team that get it uh, some yeah. some that don't but you know how, how have you been able to see that you know you can connect everyone on the same level 
Yeah, absolutely you can. At the end of the day, it comes down to each individual seeing, I mean, human beings are driven by what's in it for them. It is human nature, whether we, you know, like it or not, and I do acknowledge it, um, you know, that being the case, whether they're a baby boomer or a Gen X, yes, you're right, Gen Y um, are more um, comfortable with that. Often what we find, though, is the Generation Y staff tend to be, not always, but tend to be in the more junior positions. So the the influences within the pharmacy are often Generation X or baby boomers. So helping them understand how it will benefit particularly the customers um, as well as themselves goes a long way to changing that behaviour and helping enlist them as allies in the change. Yeah. And, and often one of the biggest problems that we see and, you know, the reason why perhaps things like technology or a new strategy, a new service just simply gets thrown into the business without much warning, pre-warning planning uh, is because of the need to improve things quite quickly. And yes. uh, often in, tr in trying to save time in that process, it just gets done that way. But, you know, how, how could pharmacies be, I guess, implementing this in a more systematic way, I guess, with respect to the fact that the time needs to be invested, but they may also want to see, well, how can I, you know, perhaps, you know, gain some time uh, to be able to do that? Yes. So are you saying, Rob, the individual pharmacy owner, how do they gain the time to to be able to approach, yeah, approach look, this in a systematic way? Yeah, look, certainly, because sometimes, you know, things are done under panic or mm. they may have uh, perhaps been to a recent pharmacy conference and seen a pharmacy doing things a certain way and they want to realise those benefits as quickly as possible. Um, and it's not just simply a case of, you know, buying a product or a service from a third-party provider and jumping it in, but actually going through that process. But they may have that fear in the back of their mind that, yes. well, how, how do I create the time to implement this on top of everything that we're already yeah, doing? Understand. And you know what? Whether the pharmacy owner is one who is typically been in the dispensary, him or herself, whether they're, you know, part of a, a group and have a number of pharmacies in their, you know, in their business, you know, everybody the way the world is now, everybody struggles with time and it is a, a constant challenge for most most pharmacists and most pharmacy owners. So I totally get that. And, you know, one of the things that, that certainly I work on with clients very early on in the piece is helping them get that time back. So identifying where the time is going. And it's amazing how when you actually make a, a study of that, and it only takes a day or two, but you can identify where you can actually find pockets of time and create pockets of time to devote to being strategic with and on your business. So, you know, whether that's whether that's particular times of day, whether it's delegating certain tasks that, you know, running it through the questions in your mind, you know, is this something that only I can do? And, you know, making that mindset shift themselves because they've, you know, come from a history very often of being hands-on, you know, that's, that's the way that, you know, we're trying, you know, we're trained as 
people and in this case as pharmacists to make your difference and to do it directly with the customer, um, taking that step back and saying, well, in order to make a, a difference to more customers, I need to sort of switch my thinking a little bit to stepping out of the business and taking the time, entrusting my staff with some different aspects, which will be good for them, good for the customers and good for the greater good because it will give me the opportunity to focus more on the business. So have, have I been specific enough there, Rob? Or? Yeah, look, I think, it, you know, the, the great thing is is that we quite often talk about how, you know, you need to own the business rather than business owning you. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, if there's so many aspects of a business that, uh, you know, rely so heavily on your presence, um, yeah. it's probably in that exact uh, moment that you realise that the business isn't your business. It's uh, the, you are the business. Um, so mm. it, it's a case of, I guess, you know, in an ideal world um you know if if we could design it from a scratch you know what in your mind would be the ideal role for a pharmacy owner i guess in this environment uh, so that they do have the headspace to manage this change effectively mm, the formula would be for them to be maybe 20 percent in the business so they've got a handle on what's going on um when i say in the business i'm thinking actually interfacing with customers and so on, um, if this is practical. So what I'm talking about, I guess, are more the pharmacy owners who are um, still in their business currently as opposed to being constantly on the strategic level because it's the ones who are interfacing with customers that have built their business, but they are such an integral part of their business that it, it it's might help them become time poor. So, you know, keeping 20% of that interface with customers, keeping, you know, maybe 20% over the course of the week, 20 to 30% of leadership is critical. The remainder would be a, a mix between strategic business and planning and working on, you know, things like marketing, for example. So they can help have a funnel of bringing people in, building the loyalty and attracting the type of customers and patients who are their ideal perfect customer, who they can understand and then and then appreciate, given their understanding of the customer, what are the aspects, you know, that we need to offer them, whether it's products at the front of shop, particular professional services, you know, what is what is our our community and our market? Do they need you know? Could they benefit more from from DAAs, for example? You know, looking at all those things. So it's more of that broader level thinking and strategizing. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I think you know, it sometimes comes down to sometimes three things. You know, saying what you can automate, what you can delegate, what you can eliminate, and you know, I think if we try to bring our whole past with us, everything that we've always done, uh, perhaps even including in some pharmacies the Kodak uh, f film processing dispensary, yes. um, we can't do that anymore. Um, it's just not phys physically possible to bring that baggage with us. And mm. I dare say there probably aren't too many pharmacies with the uh, <laughs> film processing, but you know, it gave a new 
new meaning to a Kodak moment in as much that it always used yep. to mean something quite magical and very unique yes. uh, to the point where it is quite unique, but it's really just a business not recognising change. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't want to have those Kodak moments. But, you know, we see so much opportunity. And I know that we recently caught up at the Pharmacy Business Network and there was a whole web of new opportunities around professional services and pharmacies that have embraced it and have implemented it well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they were all about new roles in the team being created and, yes. you know, efficiencies creating opportunity for those professional services. So it's, I guess it's not putting the horse before the cart in, in some ways. You do need to get all of that right before you can surge ahead. But uh, it sometimes, you know, it means that, you know, what well, we should do professional services. We need to do this additional one that's coming up. Sleep apnea is good for someone else, so it should be good for me. But, you know, all those building blocks of identifying the right roles for the team, not only now in the future, is just going to be so important. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. And, and it is, um, to use a, a rather inelegant expression, it is horses for courses. You know, it, it's understanding and, you know, it's, it's fantastic to see so many pharmacists embracing that change and really, um, you know, continuing that tradition of caring for the customer by taking the time to understand them and talking to their staff about, okay, what what is your um, appreciation of the customer? What do you think they need? And involving their staff as well. I think it's fantastic. And it's it's happening more and more now as, um, you know, the pharmacy owners uh, have become quite savvy, I think, over the last few years. And, you know, as these changes have happened in the market, there's been also a, a decent level of responsiveness and, you know, taking on that aspect of, well, we don't know all the answers. Let's put it out there. Let's ask the questions. Yeah. And and it's not just as simple as we've seen, you know, like the whole emphasis is putting the pharmacist front and centre and, you know, identifying the pharmacist as the prize for the customer as opposed to it being all the products that sit around them. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's not simply a case of just putting that pharmacist out the front. There's a, there's a whole framework that needs to be, I guess, embedded in the culture and the purpose of the team uh, mm-hmm. to enable that pharmacist to do that without having all of that extra baggage that perhaps they used to wear. And, you know, many colleagues may be listening to this nodding their heads thinking well I'm still wearing the hat of the payroll person or the account person Mm. Um, and these are roles that they shouldn't be doing anymore Uh, Mm. but you need to obviously leverage all of the tools and availability within your own team to be able to do that and and I guess for for our listeners um, thinking about this you know I guess if change is something that's going to be upon us whether we like it or not Um, Mm. but what would be I guess your ideal first steps to changing anything in the business not necessarily necessarily have to be technology obviously we love it on this show but you know in terms of any change in the business what what are the first few things that they should be identifying well you need to you need to look at a number of things firstly you've got to look you've got to look at your numbers you really need to go through go through your statistics your business statistics and say okay where where am i at the moment and from that, you will identify some gaps anyway. And then it's a question of, you start with the end in mind. So what is it that I actually want to achieve in my business? For me, for my customers, for my staff, in my life, you know, all those sorts of things. Because if you start with those goals, then you reverse engineer it. 
you can look at, you know, you've got that combination of your goals and where you're at at the moment. You can then identify, and, and this is something that I that I do as a matter of course, identify, okay, given this is where I am and this is where I want to be, what do we need to do in the in that in-between space to make sure that I get to those goals? So those would be the first couple of steps. And then after that, it's terrific to create that vision and involve your staff in it. But you also need to be practical about what's possible. Um, but, you know, we do the Walt Disney thing of, you know, start with the dream room, then go to the reality room. And then you go into the sweat room, which is where you make it all happen. Yeah, like that's that's a, it's a great great example, and uh, you know one that we uh, shared on the show only recently with uh, Tristan White from the Physio Co. And he probably a few weeks back, um, and he talked about you know when that culture was identified, um, you know it did create that very clear line in the sand as to where that direction of the business was going to go. But you know one was very clear as well that you know he realised then there were some people that just couldn't come along for the journey with them yes. because they had immediately disconnected connected from that and I guess that's the great thing about very clear being clear in your vision and your direction yes. Yes. Um, and for our colleagues thinking about that thinking yeah I know someone in my team that's a bit like that mm. you know what would your advice be to I guess manage the expectations of people that perhaps aren't going to come along on the journey with you yes great question Rob the fact is my my observation has been that if one manages the change management piece well, the optimum would be for 80% of the staff to buy into it. But there will always be, almost always, 20% that just won't come along to, for the ride. But the fact is, when you create the goals and the outcomes, the vision, if you like, with the staff, what happens is that 20% almost always self-select out. It's really interesting and I've seen it time and time and time again. For the ones that have an invested interest in staying with the pharmacy for their own reasons, then it becomes, okay, well, what are the expectations? And working one-on-one -on -one with that person, whether it's the pharmacy owner or more likely one of their senior team, so the person that this individual would report to directly to manage their expectations, to again, make it clear what the expectations are and to help them, you know, give them the support they need to be able to meet those expectations. Yeah, yeah, no, and and that's and that's always going to be key. Um, and I think if people are clear on both sides of their expectations, then there probably shouldn't be any disappointment or any aggression shown on either no. side. But uh, certainly, the disappointment may be still apparent in the fact that the the business is changing and that uh, they very much would like it to go back to what it was before. But uh, yes. as as we've seen, that's just no longer possible. Mm. And and I, and I guess you know, thinking about what's happened before and and right now, we can probably cast a little eye towards the uh, the future and uh, you know I guess I'm always curious to know you know what would be the the biggest game changer that if uh, you know time and resources just simply got put to the side and we could do anything in our pharmacies what would you love to see? Oh I would love to see a dispensary robot in every pharmacy to me that is the ultimate it it increases the speed of dispensing which then gives 
you know, it's convenient for the customer. It means that the staff can actually spend more time doing what they do best, which is interacting with customers, helping them, providing them with the advice and the care that obviously a machine isn't going to give them, but it affords them the opportunity to do that. It also allows you to redeploy your staff. So in fact, what they're becoming is a revenue generating asset instead of a cost to your business. So it makes the business more profitable, as well as providing a greater contribution to customers and patients and to the community. So to me, it's just, it really is the ultimate because it has those twin benefits of both financial and, you know, within the community. Yeah, no, look, absolutely. And, uh, you know, as, as we uh, both uh, discussed at PBN as well, you know, that the, the ability that it gives you to leverage that time back into the business to you know, develop your mm. professional services and, you know, even further optimise the uh, the technology around you in terms of virtual shelving, virtual dispensing um, to, you know, I guess reduce all of some of these other operational inefficiencies as well. Yes. And, uh, yes. you know, it's, it's, it's really exciting then because we really then are moving away from that product and supply uh, economy uh, and into, you know, that, that wisdom and service economy that we talk about in terms of being able to be the pharmacist that, you know, has the time uh, to engage with customers and really get back to that, you know, really core skill of listening yep. so that we can uh, identify what our community needs and, uh, you know, help, help them on that journey rather than just simply being another cog in the primary healthcare journey. Now, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on the show today, Linda. I know our listeners will take away so much away from it and certainly be looking at their next strategic change and change in general in their business a whole lot differently as a result. So thank you very much for that. And uh, oh, we, look, thank you. we look forward to following your journey and inviting you back in the not too distant future. Terrific. And thanks for having me on, Rob. It was terrific to talk to you. Thanks, Linda. Okay. Thanks. Bye. I'm sure you'd agree that there's so many great principles that Linda shared in the interview and change is something that is upon us whether we love it or not. And my three key learnings are, number one, own your pharmacy rather than letting your pharmacy own you. Number two, start with the end in mind. Identify your goals that will take you from where you are now to where you want to be and map your vision path. And number three, be practical. As Linda shared with us, learn from Disney. Start in the dream room, then the reality room, then go into the sweat room and make it happen. And on the topic of making it happen, Linda's been kind enough to share with us some special supporting material to go along with the show, which includes a step-by-step planning template for effective change management and also her three proven strategies to achieve productivity excellence in your pharmacy in the next 90 days, as well as a gift certificate for a 45-minute business analysis and review session as well. So make sure you check that out at robertstar.com dot com forward slash episode 86. And that brings us to the end of another episode of Transformation. Don't forget, we've got Matthew Michaelwich coming your way next week, the author of Life in Half a Second, who's an international entrepreneur with an incredible 20-year track record of starting, growing, and exiting high-growth businesses. If you've loved this week's show, leave a comment in the show notes. I read and respond to every single one of them, and my guests, like Linda today, only too happy to respond to your questions 
question individually. Go on, do it now. Have a great week, everyone, and I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Bye for now.